Hello, podcasters. Welcome back to Mr. Stroud's history class. Last time I did an overview of Antietam. I approximated the casualties. I went and looked them up. I'm going to just give you the numbers, and I want you to try to imagine standing on that bloody battlefield and looking at what I'm going to tell you. The number of dead in one day, 3,675 killed in action. 17,300 wounded in action. At least half of those are going to D.O.W., die wounds. I'm going to remind you in the last podcast I talked about a park ranger at the Antietam Battlefield getting Civil War enthusiast and giving each one a candle and they went to the spots, that's a plural, of where the dead were. Miller's Cornfield, the East Wood, Burnside's Bridge, Bloody Lane. And as soon as it got dark, they lit those candles. And I told you, and I'm going to tell you again, on this film, it was a movie. It was a reenactment. Lee and Lincoln at Antietam, I believe was the name of it. I always wondered why not McClellan. I guess nobody ever heard of McClellan. But when that ranger told them to light those candles it looked like an ocean of flame now i'm telling you that because what lincoln is going to say as he's walking down the street on september the 22nd 1862 and he said to a friend who was walking with him what a glorious victory Antietam was. Those words shocked his friend. And his friend asked, Mr. President, how can you call that bloody day a victory? And Lincoln, in my mind, under his breath, said, it's the closest thing I've got, and I'm taking it. And that goes back to what Secretary of State Seward had said in July when Lincoln had read them the emancipation. Mr. Lincoln, if you're going to issue that, you must wait till after a victory. And I told you why those words were so true. Well, Lincoln is tired of waiting. He's now proclaiming Antietam a victory so that he can issue the Emancipation Proclamation. So on September the 22nd, 1862, he issued the preliminary on 1 January 1863, all slaves and states in rebellion will be forever free. Oh my goodness, podcasters. Those words are astronomical. Freedom's candle just burst into a bonfire that's going to continue to burn until it lights up everywhere in America. How astronomical that sentence, and I'm sorry, I'm paraphrasing, I'm not going to read word for word. You can look up the Emancipation Proclamation 
and you can read it word for word. I'm not going to do that because I never was able to read out loud as our teachers back in the third and fourth grade used to say, we're going to read out loud today. But what I just told you, that is close enough. That is it. On 1 January 1863, all slaves and states in rebellion will be forever free. Now, all I know is what my students said. After 43 years of teaching in the classroom, that's my poll. When I say most Americans don't know, that's my poll. I do not stop people at the grocery store and ask them history questions. They do that. I do that. They're going to call 911. We got an idiot over here in the frozen food section. I go by my students in the classroom. Now, before I tell you, some of them may have known, but they didn't want to answer because they didn't know if I was going to try to trick them. Or they just didn't know. Some would answer, but unfortunately, most of them are wrong. Nothing against them. I was wrong once. A long time ago, I thought I made a C on a test, and I made... I'd made, I'd made a B minus. I was wrong. And what I'm getting at, podcasters, is I have a feeling that most Americans think that slavery was no big deal. It really was not a big deal. Or if it was a big deal, it wasn't a big deal until the Civil War. Nothing could be further from the truth. How many times, go back and listen to each podcast, and you count how many times did I say, I cannot tell you 22 things at one time. When I started the podcast, I was going in chronological order. But I had not even lost the colony of founded Jamestown. I need to do this. So just take my word for it, podcasters. Slavery was a very, very big deal. It almost prevented the Constitution. It almost prevented the Declaration of Independence. And from the day one that the first Congress met, slavery is going to be there. Oh, it was a big deal. And what Mr. Lincoln just said on 1 January 1863, all slaves and states in rebellion, that was a astronomically big deal. Now, I've said so much about one short sentence, and we're not through yet. We're just getting started. First off, why did he have the power to do this. If you read what he said in his first inaugural, that's where we get the most often quoted, the better angels of our nature. But he also said to the Southerners, I have no desire to interfere with slavery, nor do I have the power to interfere with slavery. Lincoln, Lincoln never, ever, ever liked slavery. 
Now, again, we could go through all kinds of things. Lincoln biographies. But I'm going to just tell you one thing. One thing that he wrote. And this will be enough to let you know that man never did care for slavery. He wrote, if slavery is not wrong, nothing is wrong. The problem was Lincoln believed in obeying the law. There are a lot of laws out there that I think podcasters don't like. I'm going to just name one as an example. I'm going to just throw this out, okay? I'm going to throw this out. Speed limits. What business do they have telling me to go 45 around that curve? Hmm? Doesn't matter, Lincoln said. You obey the law. If you don't like a law, you change it. You do not violate it. Slavery was a law that Lincoln did not care for. That was in the states. It was state law. What would give him the power to do it? Lincoln politically was first a Whig and then became a Republican, and he was what was called a free soil Republican. And what that means is we can do nothing about slavery in the states, but by golly, Congress controls the territories, and we're going to keep those territories free. That's a free soiler. Free men, free soil, and free mark. Remember that? Why now? Is he breaking the law? Where did he get the power to even do this? And why is he waiting? See, podcaster, how many things can I say about one thing at one time? To begin with, what gives him the power to do this? His war power. His war power. When that war, that rebellion, began, he becomes a war president. And the analogy I used in class, which I think is an excellent analogy, I would not keep using it over and over and over and over. A police officer only has the power and the right to arrest you if you are breaking the law. If not, he can wave at you and smile. When Lincoln said, I have no power or desire or right to interfere with it, when he said we must leave it alone, and even in the Republican platform of 1860, the slavery was guaranteed in the states it existed. But that podcast just was before Fort Sumter. I'm going to say that again. That was before Fort Sumter. Where did he get the right to do this? Proclamation? Where is that in the Constitution? It's not. Who was the very first president to ever issue a proclamation? Let's play Jeopardy music, okay? I can't do that. You put it in your mind. Remember, question, question, form it as a question. The first president to issue a proclamation was George Washington. His power to do this was the rebellion. Here is another one. Oh, podcasters, another one. If Lincoln wanted to free the slaves, why did he free them in the Confederacy where they're not going to obey his law? They're not going to do what he said. When he could have freed them in the border states 
and they would have had to do what he said. If he really wanted to free the slaves, why didn't he just do that? Podcasters, here we go again. One more moment. One more moment. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Let me. Here we go. Here we go. I'm going back to the police officer. They have a right to arrest you if you are breaking the law. Those slave states that were not in rebellion, that were loyal to the north, the border states were not breaking the law. They were not in rebellion against the United States. Lincoln had no power. I will remind you, he tried to do a compensation emancipation. They wouldn't have, but he had no power to do that. The only power he had to end slavery was in the Confederacy that was in rebellion. Again, the police officer arresting someone breaking the law. That's why he did that. Now, he wished he could end it everywhere, but he, he can't do that. Understand? One big step at a time. So now that we have that taken care of, and as soon as I get through with class, I'm going to think of three other things I should have said about that. That's what, what we do in the next class. You know, like the casualties. Why did he wait to 1 January? If he wanted to free those slaves, why didn't he say, as of today, at the stroke of midnight, tonight, that is the end of it. Right now. Right this moment. He didn't do that. As of 1 January. Here we go again. September, October, November, December. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. What if, on Christmas Day, all of the Confederate states had stopped fighting, were no longer in rebellion, how many slaves would have been freed on 1 January? Why did he do this? Podcast, I'm going to tell you, I have never, ever read the answer to the question I just gave you. Was it because he had not finished dotting the I's and crossing the T's? I'm going to throw one in. I'm going to throw one in because I know this if he had said, as of today, by the time the ink dries on this proclamation, can you imagine what the critics would have said? You have now doomed hundreds of thousands of young men to their deaths because you never gave the Southerners time. You did not give them any time. Why didn't you give them time? Well, by doing it on 1 January 1863, he could say, yes, I did. I gave them all the way to New Year's Day, and none of them took it. Now, did he really think they would? Really? You think that? You really think that? I want to tell you, there was no way the Confederacy was going to do that. Absolutely no way. Lincoln knew that. But now he could say, I gave him time. Podcasters, this friend of mine I've mentioned several times, Bobby Nyman. He and I used to talk about this stuff. We liked history. We'd be eating cheeseburgers and drinking sweet tea and eating the french fries and onion rings. And we would save between chomps of hamburgers and some. My friend always said, if the South had freed their slaves, they would have won the Civil War. And I would tell him, 
Bobby, you don't understand. A Richmond editor put it best. If we free the slaves to win the war, what was the point of the war? Now, there would be those that thought about freeing slaves that volunteered for the army. Patrick Claiborne, the Stonewall Jackson of the West in Arkansas, who was killed in one of, of senseless assaults at Franklin. He suggested that, and the Confederates thought about, well, should we hang him or just shoot him? They realized he's from Ireland. Maybe he didn't understand this peculiar institution. Robert E. Lee suggested it. I don't think anybody thought about hanging him, but he didn't go anywhere. And there was some little bill in Congress just as the end of the war was happening about doing it. Nobody did anything. Do not believe. All right, here we go. There are those who say there were blacks in the Confederate Army. I will tell you right now, there was only one unit in the Confederacy, and that was more for show. I'm going to talk about that later on. I'll tell you which one it was. As far as you are concerned, if that's ever asked on Jeopardy, how many blacks served in the Confederate Army you rang in, what is the number zero? Let's just get that straight right now. But as the editor said, if we free the slaves to win the war, what was the point of the war to begin with? On 1 January 1863, all slaves and states in rebellion will be forever free. Now, how many slaves were actually freed by the Emancipation Proclamation? Oh, I love this one, podcasters. When I was in the classroom, I loved, loved, loved asking this question. And I'm going to make it easy. Raise one of your hands. Which one? I don't care. If you're driving, don't do it. Keep both hands on the steering wheel. Like true false. A or B. A or B. We're not going to do C and D. A or B. True or false. Are you ready? Here we go. Here it is. How many slaves were actually freed by the Emancipation Proclamation on 1 January 1863. A. 3.5 million. B. Zero. Okay. Raise your hand if you said 3.5 million. If you got your hand up, wrong. Raise your hand if you said zero. I think some hands went up. Wrong. A is wrong. Three and a half million, wrong. B, zero is wrong. How in the world can A and B both be wrong when one of them's got to be right? And the answer is, it depends on whether I like you or not. That's a trick question. See that part about whether I like you or not? I just throw that in to make them giggle. You ready for the answer? A and B, both are true. Both are true. How can both be true? Hot and cold? How could both be hot and cold at the same time? I'm going to remind you of what I said in the last podcast about that young man I saw on book TV that attended lectures 
by three, I believe it was three, Lincoln scholars, each of whom had written a book on Abraham Lincoln. And that young man had asked, when I was in high school, they said that Lincoln freed the slaves, and then when I got to college, they said he really didn't. And so did he or not, was asked to three Lincoln biographers. Podcasters, I like to choke on my Wheaties. Well, one of them said he didn't. I mean, the emancipation didn't free anybody, you know. Uh, it was actually the 13th Amendment that actually did that. And there was a lot of people, a lot of people were involved in that. Lincoln, uh, once more, podcasters, I'm, I'm about to choke on my Wheaties here. I could not believe that from those Lincoln biographers. What did I just tell you? What did I just say? And then, if not Lincoln, who? Free the slaves. Well, there were many, many who, if it wasn't Lincoln. How could both A and B be true? Okay, you ready? That Emancipation Proclamation in January of 1863 did not free a single slave. Not a single slave. Can you imagine in the Confederacy, in the South, when that was printed in the newspaper, that a slave owner called his slaves over and said, well, that Yankee president done said y'all free, so y'all go and scoot on out of here. Y'all get on out of here. Y'all all free right now. Heavens no. No. All podcasters, the South did not like this one little bit. One little bit. Some said that Lincoln was trying to start a race war in the South. Get the slaves... If you read the entire Emancipation Proclamation, it's not very long. Lincoln did say that he wanted all to obey the laws, no insurrections. Remind you of Mrs. Chestnut's question. Here in the Union Artillery, and the slaves just sitting there, not making any signs of emotion, and she asked, are they stupid or smarter than us? Another thing. Now this one I've not seen, but I've read of it. That somewhere in the old Confederacy, there is a monument to the slaves. And the monument thanks them for not having rebellions when most of the men are away fighting. They didn't do that. They did anything, they ran. They followed the drinking gourd. They went into the water and they ran. I do not know of a single slave rebellion, big or small, that took place in the South when most of the men were gone. They waited. So, on 1 January 1863, not a single slave was freed. So how could they both be right? 
podcasters? Have you ever asked directions to some place and that person said you can't get there from here? Listen to this. Listen to this. Once more, listen to what I'm going to tell you about what I'm going to tell you, okay? How in the world can you get the 13th Amendment that freed the slaves if you don't have the Emancipation Proclamation first? You have got to convince the American people, and in this case, those in the North, that this is part of this war. You've got to get them ready for this. This was a bombshell. You cannot get to the 13th Amendment without going through the Emancipation Proclamation first. This has got to be a war aim. Oh, here's another question that I really, really like because I know there's got to be a few podcasters out there that just love math. I hope you do. My grandson, Owen, is, is just a whiz at math. So I'm going to give you a math question, okay? Now, you might want to get your calculators out. You ready? I'm going to give you a math question. You ready? One plus one equal? One plus one equal? Anybody say two? Because if you said two, you are wrong from what I'm going to tell you. That is true in mathematics, but this is history. Now, to give you an example of what I'm talking about, I'm going to tell you what I did when I was teaching eighth graders, and every now and then I had to assign them homework. And in the little textbook that they had, there would be a little square with about four or five questions. And so I assigned them when I was doing the American Revolution to, to do these little questions. They handed them in the next day, and one of them I read. One of the answers to the question was, what was a patriot? What was a patriot? And this young man had written, one who loves his country, and mean old Mr. Stroud put a big red X on that. That was wrong. How could that be wrong? Well, 2 plus 2 is 4 in math. 1 plus 1 is 2 in math. But this is history. And I was not asking for a Webster definition of patriot. I was asking for the definition of patriot during the American Revolution, and that was one who supported the Declaration of Independence, who supported independence, one who fought with Washington and not against George Washington. That was wrong. One plus one is two in math, but this isn't math. This is history. And I would tell my students, this is one of the most important things I can tell you about the Emancipation Proclamation. It is impossible to understand, in many cases, this history stuff. You had to bend there. For example, in the Declaration of Independence, 
which I know you often just say while you're riding down the highways and the byways. When in the course of human events it becomes necessary for one people to break their political bonds with another. Oh my gosh, when I did the declaration podcasters, I stopped it right there. One people to break the with another? One plus one is two there. And as long as we had been an America, Great Britain, mother country, we were one. We were one. You understand that? We were one. We were as much an Englishman in, in, in Philadelphia as an Englishman in London. And then all of a sudden, in the Declaration, we are two, one and one. Why? Because it's impossible for one to divide. You cannot divide one. It does not divide. Now, here we go. Important. The war aim. I will save the Union. I will save the Union if it means freeing the slaves. I will save the Union if it means not freeing the slaves. If I can hold the Union together by freeing, I'm going to hold the Union together. The first war aim was to hold the Union together, not to end slavery. My analogy again is a surgeon on the emergency room shift. A young man comes in. He's bleeding from every place you could bleed from. He's been in a horrible accident. So what should the surgeon do? A. Lecture him on defensive driving or B. Stop the bleeding. And then maybe get him into a defensive driving class. Lincoln's number one goal was to hold the Union together. And if he could do that by now, he's decided that I'm going to end slavery. There's a second war goal. Remember what I said about the Declaration of Independence? Well, this is just the opposite. He did not, class, I want you to understand this. Write this down. Remember it. I don't care what you read. I'm right. You understand? Me. Mr. Stroud, I'm right. He did not add a second goal. He incorporated it. You took one, hold the union together, two, end slavery, and you put it together. If you could see me, it's like holding two pieces of clay, one piece in one hand, one in the other, and you put it together and you make a ball of it. And you cannot have one without the other. To hold the union together is to end slavery. To end slavery is to hold the union together. You understand that? Why is this so important? Oh, people, podcasters, podcasters, you are people, people, podcasters. I want you to listen to this. You understand? I want you to understand this. How many times do I hear people saying, well, why couldn't they just prevent that war? There could have been a way to prevent that war. Well, compromise, compromise, compromise. If you look at American history and you look at the compromises, the Constitution was a compromise. Had slavery not been in the Constitution, there would have been no Constitution. That was a compromise. Oh, and by the way, since I mentioned that, you read the Constitution 
and I want you to have someone give you $1,000 every time you read the word slave or slavery in the Constitution. It's not there. But slavery is all through the Constitution. Three-fifths compromise. It's there, people. It's all there. What I'm getting ready to tell you about taking holding the Union together and ending slavery and not adding another cause to fight, but incorporating it to one. In this case, one plus one, hold the union together, end slavery. Are you ready? One plus one equal what? One. Because you cannot compromise if there's only one. There will be no compromise. It's war to the finish. All podcasters, the Emancipation Proclamation. And I told you in the last class, when people say he only freed the slaves for popularity, I assume they mean his popularity will increase. I'm going to have to tell you now, and I'm going to tell you again and again, his popularity, what little he had, went to the bottom. This was the least popular thing that Abraham Lincoln did in the Civil War was to issue the Emancipation Proclamation. Oh, podcasters, there's so many things to say about what I just said. Do you know who his number one critic was? The number one person against the Emancipation Do you know? Do you know? Are you saying names? Robert E. Lee, Stonewall Jackson, Jefferson Davis? Oh, yeah, they hated it. His number one critic was Mary Todd Lincoln, his wife. She was a Kentuckian, a slaveholding family. Two of Lincoln's brother-in-laws were Confederate officers. One was a general killed at Chickamauga, and he liked that individual. His sister-in-law witnessed the swearing-in of Jefferson Davis. Mary Todd Lincoln had come from a slave family. That was one. I'm going to give you another one. George Britton McClellan, the commander of the Union Army I mentioned, who his men adored him. And by reading, I-N-G, reading, that man was so against ending slavery he almost issued an order to his army of over 100,000 men to lay down their weapons and go home and stop fighting. To stop fighting. There were men in the northern armies and in the north that hated the emancipation. That's not what this war was about. This war was to hold the Union together. I did not enlist to end slavery anywhere. That was one of the reasons. Podcast, if you read a lot about this, you'll see that John C. Fremont got in trouble with Lincoln in the beginning of the war when, as a general, he issued his own Emancipation Proclamation and Lincoln shut that one down. In reading, I found that more Northerners, when the Fremont Emancipation Proclamation was issued, went home and stopped fighting than Southerners did. It's got to be a right time. 
It's got to be a right time to do that. But here's another thing about the Emancipation Proclamation. When people say that he only did it for popularity, oh, podcasters. I'm going to talk about bringing African Americans into the Union Army next time. That was part of the Emancipation Proclamation, but I'm going to wait and talk about that when I talk about the blacks coming into the Union Army. There were some already there. The first South Carolina volunteers. That used to really stun some of my students. So I just, it's straight. I thought South Carolina was a Confederate state, and we're talking about a Union regiment of blacks that South, yes, we did. The way you got the state names was by the state where the regiments were organized. And every Confederate state, including Texas, had Union regiments. First Texas, Union. Second Texas, Union. These were runaway slaves. And they were the first South Carolina volunteers. And on New Year's Eve, they were in a church. The first South Carolina volunteers, along with civilians, all blacks. And not a single person was making a sound. They were waiting. And the only thing you could hear was the ticking of a clock. And at midnight, 